Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Slay Dragons podcast. Today, my guest is Lauren Bavick, frontwoman of Red Handed Denial, Crazy 88, and she just dropped a solo project recently. Uh, we used to be bandmates, so I've seen firsthand what a badass she is. Super nice, super humble, and one of the big takeaways that I got from this interview is uh, when she was talking about trying out for RHD and how it was her first time ever singing in front of anybody and how she just psyched herself up to go for it. And I think that's a good message for a lot of people. And it's something I want to incorporate more into my own life. So I hope that you get something out of this. And yeah, enjoy episode 13 featuring Lauren Babbitt. down the days to you thinking back to everything we've been through pulling back the curtain i can see a shadow of who i knew it's like you never Like, thanks yeah telling your story so um yeah i just wanted to start off with uh when did you know that you wanted to become a singer oh um i kind of knew that i wanted to at least try to learn how to sing uh when i was listening to like my favorite bands mm-hmm. so and it was pretty late like i i never really w- knew i wanted to sing till i was like 16 Okay. And then short, shortly after, I, like, auditioned for the band. Um, but, yeah, it was just, like, from listening to, like, Under Oath, Linkin Park, uh, My Chemical Romance, mm-hmm. The Used, like, bands like that, that I was like, hmm, maybe I, I should give it a shot. Yeah, really? I didn't know you started that late. I started really late. and I And I don't know if you knew this, but the... When I auditioned for Red Handed, that was like the first time I had ever sang in front of anyone. What? Bes- beside <laughs> myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I had no idea. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I really took the plunge. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm gonna try. <laughs> That's insane. Like, we went through so many shitty auditions. Like, I, I don't even think you realize, like, everybody sucks. <laughs> but it, oh my God. it's it's really hard to to find a good singer i think that's the hardest part of or hardest role to fill in a band so it's like it's crazy to think that you just jumped into it and you're that good like were did you-, you have people like audition before me like for like other auditions i guess um yeah we had other people come in um most couldn't yeah like we had some people who jammed with us a few times and um but i don't think we played shows with anybody um well actually there was jen i don't know if you remember her but yeah i I do i do (laughs) (laughs) i do but yeah we we auditioned a few different singers and it obviously didn't work out with anybody um but yeah you were 
quite the blessing. So <laughs> appreciate that. I'm glad. Um, so, like, were you doing any singing before you decided, like, I'm going to try this, like, as a kid, just, like, even for fun? I I only really started, like, trying to sing when I was 16, like, mm-hmm. just kind of in the shower and when I was alone in my house. Like, I would just sing to my favorite songs. Okay. And that was literally the extent of me just figuring out my capabilities and and figuring out how to sing and I still don't think I was able to sing very well until like two three years later after joining the band like (laughs) I was still figuring it out so it was like I I look back on it and I wish I had more guidance Mm -hmm. but um yeah it was just mostly me navigating everything in private by myself because I was way too shy I was I was so self-conscious mm-hmm. so like what were some of the the things that if you had guidance you would have done differently earlier on I think I would have seeked more um information from like people around me mm-hmm. like people who are already singing and even just like talking to people in in other bands and and just not being as like i don't know not necessarily like cocky about it because mm-hmm. i i kind of had like two sides to it deep down i was really really self-conscious and really worry worried about what everyone was thinking about my singing but mm-hmm. i had to sort of like compensate and put up a front and try and act as confident as I could so that people at least thought I knew what I was doing. <laughs> but it it was like, I wish I, I got some training back then. I think it would have helped mm-hmm. early on yeah. <laughs> for sure. So are there like specific vocal exercises that you've done over the years that have helped you out? Yeah, I... I've come up with like a really good sort of warm up routine that I've kind of customized it depending on like how I'm feeling on a certain day. But I've taken really good information from, you know, like Melissa Cross, who's like the arguably the biggest metal vocal coach in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned a lot from her and I've I've just like literally gone on YouTube and sought out like all these professional vocal coaches, taken the warm ups that I really like, and I just kind of formed my own um, and built it around exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't really gotten like formal training up until really recently. And I think that also really, really helped me um, sort of iron out all the kinks that we go through in this thing we call singing because it we go through these ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys so it's been like a journey and i i I think it's more so like you go on and you you are still figuring it out as you go because things change so often Mm -hmm. and yeah one thing that i'm I'm pretty sure wasn't a part of your game when you started um, with RHD was screaming. 
I think that's something you developed after. Yeah. And yeah, you got really good at that too. And what was that process like? Well, I didn't really put like, I didn't really dedicate my training to screaming. Mm -hmm. Um, I, like, like I said, like I showed up at the audition and I just hoped for the best. (laughs) (laughs) And I think as I went, I realized there were certain things that worked and certain things that didn't. Cause I think we, we played a bunch of shows early on at like the cathedral and, Mm -hmm. and, um, oh yeah, there were a couple other venues that probably don't exist anymore. Yeah. um, The reverb probably. The reverb. Yeah. And I realized like after we would play a show, my voice would feel like garbage. And it, a lot of the process was just me troubleshooting. Okay. What are the things that I can tweak so that I can feel less like garbage? (laughs) (laughs) Cause screaming, like there's no formal training for screaming. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of like you figure it out and you do what works. And I think nowadays there's way more knowledge on it. And, and, um, I know that I've been thankfully doing it pretty properly. Um, and it's good to know that I at least was doing that and I didn't completely destroy myself, but (laughs) I wish back then there were like, there was more knowledge on it and I was kind of just figuring it out as I went. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just want to go back to the audition when you tried out for RHD the first time. Because yeah, I'm still shocked that that was the first time you were singing for people. But yeah, what was the mindset like? And how did you psych yourself up to to just take that plunge? It was basically like putting on a mask. Like I I went into the situation not knowing anybody. And Mm -hmm. I think that was you could see it as, Oh, that's really scary. But I saw it as I can literally be whoever I want because these people don't know who I am. So I kind of saw it like, um, like Beyonce when she turns into Sasha fierce. Mm -hmm. So I became like Sasha fierce in that moment. And I, I became like this, this elevated version of myself and, and saw it as that instead of, like crippling under this pressure of mm-hmm. in front of people I didn't know. Yeah. So that's kind of how I psyched myself up. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, did you have a similar mindset when it came to playing those first few shows? I think so. And I was, I was definitely super nervous, especially that first cathedral show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was wearing red pants. I think it was the red <laughs> pants. <laughs> that that helped me through it <laughs> honestly <laughs> i feel like i remember that yeah but um yeah um any memories from that first show like anything that was surprising to you i think i was surprised at the re- just the overall reception of it yeah because i remember after we played people were like super stoked on it so that was definitely a a bit of a confidence booster for me. I was like, okay, I can definitely work on this and I can definitely see myself um, improving and, and making this a thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think that helped a lot. And it, it was overall a pretty positive experience yeah. from what I can remember. 
Yeah. And um, so when it comes to um, writing songs, do you have a specific process that you go through with that? Yeah, I think I think the process is actually pretty similar to even when like you and Steven and Steph were in the band. Mm -hmm. Like I remember like you guys would come at me with like a the foundations of an instrumental and then we all would kind of tweak that and you know like Steven would add his parts and make it his own and and Steph would make it her own and Chris would add his like weird shit on it <laughs> and, and then I would write to that so I think like our process even now in the band is really similar mm -hmm. and you know Chris takes that role of of like providing this foundation of guitar riffs and and then the band kind of puts their own filter on it and then I take that and I t I write lyrics and melodies mm -hmm. and then we and then I bring that back and everyone we all kind of go over it together so it's still a pretty collaborative process mm -hmm. um so it, I don't I wouldn't say it's changed very much okay. and were you doing like any kind of writing before um you were in the band like any I guess it would be poetry or, or songs that you're doing for yourself. Um, I would say it was mostly just like free writing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily like a, a songwriter by any means back then, but I, I would just write, you know, in my journal or, or little, little poetry lines and just work on it that way. And then I would have like a sort of bank of, of lyrics to choose, pick and choose from if I ever needed it for a song. So mm -hmm. that's kind of still how I approach it. But, you know, the creative, the creativeness sometimes takes a life of its own. And then mm -hmm. sometimes you write a whole song in like an hour. Sometimes it takes three, six months. Like you never really know until it happens. <laughs> yeah. And um, what was it like working on a concept album? Was, was that a different like mindset when it came to writing yeah that was a lot mm -hmm. and i never thought that we would ever do like a, a part two to yeah. want the wanderer ep mm -hmm. and there was a lot of flow charts there were a lot of uh storyboards and i probably drove everyone crazy <laughs> <laughs> but i think like once the wanderer ep like once we were working on that the band had like a completely different dynamic because we had um, a whole new lineup, basically. Mm -hmm. So the the band dynamic definitely changed. And there was a huge shift in, in sound from Stories of Old to Wanderer. Mm -hmm. And I think that just had to do with who was in the band and just the influences that were that the band members were drawing from. So that kind of helped a lot. Um, cause I think that's the direction we wanted to go in. Mm -hmm. And, and I always say like, it's almost like we went back to eyes and liquid skies Yeah. and stories of old stands out in such a different way. It's like we, we, we went there and then came back. It, it's such an interesting thing to look back on. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any plans of doing more, um, concept albums or, was that too much of a, a process? <laughs> um, well, with uh, with my other band, Crazy 88, mm -hmm. it's almost like 
a concept band. So we write every song after a movie. So it's almost like each song is a concept in itself. But I don't foresee myself writing a whole (laughs) concept album for a very long time. (laughs) It was a lot. Mm -hmm. And how did that uh, Crazy Crazy 88 um, uh, project come together? So... I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the YouTuber Jared Alonji, mm-hmm. but he was the guy that was doing all those funny like skit comedies on um, like scene music and metalcore. And I had been following him for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And one one day I just got an email from him and I immediately thought it was fake. I was like, this is not Jared Alonji. I need confirmation that it's <laughs> actually this person. So... I messaged him on his like official Twitter and he's like, yeah, it's me. So I was like, oh shit. Um, okay. And I was like, why are you messaging me? Like I'm nobody like you're, you're this huge YouTuber and the rest is kind of history. Like we, we gelled really well and, and it kind of worked out perfectly because red handed was kind of my primary project and crazy 88 was kind of, the creative outlet where if I didn't have something that quite fit RHD, I could put it towards crazy 88 Mm -hmm. since, um, it's more like a post hardcore, uh, sound. So it, it really did work perfectly and yeah, it's been super fun so far. Nice. And is the, writing process kind of similar in crazy 88 or is it any different um jared takes a little bit more of that role Mm -hmm. um because again like i i spend more of my time dedicated towards rhd but um when we were writing and recording burning alive um I took more of the lyrical and and melodic role than I thought I would, which was cool. But um, he definitely handles like way more of the of the creative stuff. And he it's like we're the same person, though. So like anything he brings me, I'm just like, that's exactly what I would have done. Nice. So it, it works out so well. OK, yeah, that's awesome to have that kind of chemistry. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of side projects. You have another project, I guess your your solo EP just dropped, and yeah, that that was awesome. By the way, like, thank it you. Sounds really good, and it was a huge departure in sound from the stuff that you do with RHD and Crazy Eighty Eight. And um, I was just wondering, what was it like working on that? Um, I I knew I wanted to branch out for a really long time, and I was already kind of doing that through some some covers that I was doing just kind of testing the waters, I guess. But um, it was so refreshing. And I think like working on metal and, and heavy music for so long, it's like sometimes we have these like ideas in a completely different genre that would just never fly for mm-hmm. heavy music. And I always wanted to do something that was pop inspired and, and really catchy and just really simple and more electronic but Mm -hmm. it was just it had no place in anything I was doing already but I also 
had no idea how to produce something like that Mm -hmm. because I'm not a pop artist. Like it's not something I, I do. So thankfully, um, culture who produced the EP, he like came up to me at an RHD show and he's like, your voice would sound super cool on a pop project. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I totally agree with you. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, like if you want to sit down and we can talk about, you know, getting you on some pop stuff, some EDM stuff, like I'd be super happy to help out. And we pretty much co-wrote the whole EP together and it, it, it exceeded my expectations. Like I never thought it would be half as good or even like remotely good. So I, it was just such a cool process to be a part of. Nice. And uh, do you have any plans to do more like stuff along those lines? For sure. I don't think it's going to be like too soon, but when I, when I get like those creative juices back for pop, I will absolutely do more for sure. And um, so with RHD, you've done a bunch of touring and I was just curious, um, what's it like to, to be on tour? It's really fucking hard. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it is not for everyone. And especially as like a a singer and the vocalist, it friggin' sucks Mm -hmm. because you cannot be sleep deprived. You can't be dehydrated. You have to be like, you know, reserving your voice for the shows. And so many factors can make you sing like shit Mm -hmm. when you're on tour including like environmental stuff getting sick allergies so like you can't just like get drunk every night and like stay up till 4 a.m like it, it sucks so you have to really be conscious of like how are you taking care of yourself and taking care of your voice because you you will just not perform very well mm-hmm. if you don't do that so it, it's really, really hard to be a singer on tour. Yeah. Like over the years, are there things that you've learned to do and not do to make sure that you're at your best for shows? Um, yeah, it's making sure like you have tons of water throughout the day, just like sipping it and just making sure you're hydrated at all times, uh, making sure you have a really good warm up. Um, and making sure you're not overexerting by like talking really loudly at a show and just being conscious of, of every moment you're using your voice. It's like, Mm -hmm. do I really need to be using my voice right now? So it's, it's like a very strict regiment, but once you kind of get that down, it puts your mind at ease and you can kind of enjoy it even more. Mm-hmm. and like touring is super enjoyable you just have to make sure you're being responsible yeah and when you go on tour do you book your own shows um we used to mm-hmm. so back in back when we were doing wanderer um we booked we did the u.s tour we did eastern canada and we did a couple like weekend runs in the states so the majority of those were self-booked but then um we got with uh, a booking agent. So the anything we did for like the Redeemer 
era era that was all pretty much booked for us which was very nice Mm -hmm. to alleviate that stress (laughs) yeah like what was it like um i guess in the early days when you were doing stuff yourself um were you just like learning on the fly how to do it yes every single day i swear was something new (laughs) and still to this day it's like when you're touring and you show up at a venue every single show is like it's a new show mm-hmm. and there's always like something that is different so you're always learning you're always having to be really flexible and just like go with the flow mm-hmm. otherwise you'll you'll crash and burn real quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah and are there any gigs that stand out in your mind either particularly good or particularly bad yeah definitely um i mean you know this like we've had tons of bad shows oh yeah (laughs) like even now like there have been shows where it was just god awful Uh and it wasn't it didn't even have to happen long ago like still to to the most recent show like we've had a handful of really horrible shows. I think the one that stands out the most though was like for the worst show mm-hmm. was that supernova show we played hmm. at I think it was the opera house where like they went like an hour past their playing time and we went on we went on at like 1 a.m. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Like that was horrible. And yeah, Supernova like, was the worst. They were the absolute worst. Yeah, they used to like prey on all these young bands, just take our money, and we didn't really gain anything from it. Yeah. I think they still owe us like $200. Like, I'm pretty sure. <sighs> yeah, I-, I wonder if they still <laughs> exist. I haven't looked them up in a, in a while. They definitely don't exist anymore. <laughs> they were just horrible. Yeah, I played my first show ever. It was a Supernova show, like, with a band before RHD. We played the Elma Combo, and they put us on first, and it was probably the worst show I ever played. (laughs) (laughs) They were like... At least it was your first show. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I, I guess that was the one thing I got on stage, but, like, yeah, basically, fuck Supernova. Yeah, I think they tried to use the venue as like a selling point. Uh huh. And it's like, ooh, you get to play the Elmo. It's a super legendary venue, but <laughs> yeah. then everything else sucks. Uh huh. Like, and when you're young, you don't know any better. Like, you have you don't know how to book a show. You're like, wow, no. thank you, Supernova. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Are there okay? Yeah. So, um, what about a really great show? Is there one that can, like, stands out in your mind? Yeah, I think to this day, my favorite show was when we played in Waterloo um, with Protest the Hero. Mm -hmm. I think that was back in 2017. And it, I think it was definitely sold out. So it was like a huge venue. I think it was 900 people. And it was completely sold out. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh, my God, this is the 
probably the biggest show we've ever played Mm -hmm. sold out stakes are high and like when you're a singer there's always this x factor where it's like you never quite know what's gonna happen Mm. there's always that like five percent where it's like hmm what's gonna happen and we got on stage and it was literally one of my best performances ever so it was like the perfect scenario that I've, I don't think's ever happened again. Like that's never happened where it was like best show, biggest show, best performance. Oh, that's and just like, yeah, like the whole night was just so surreal. It's like, we're opening direct support for one of my favorite bands of all time at a sold out show. And I just had a really sick performance. It was like, I still look back on it and I'm just like, how did that even happen? Like, there's no way that was real. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Crazy. And um, yeah, are there like specific cities that that you like to play that have like better crowds than others? Um, hmm. Specific songs. Um, I think the crowd reacts really well to when we play Trespasser. Mm-hmm. For some reason, like it's not in any way like a heavy song, but I think people get super hype during the chorus. And that's the one that I find most people sing along to. And it still blows my mind that that <laughs> happens. It's like, how are you singing the song that I wrote to me? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. But that one seems to get the crowd going a lot. And um, em- Empire as well. I think the crowd goes pretty crazy for empire Mm -hmm. they like that one a lot yeah and yeah are there like specific places that you you like to play like more than other locations yeah we've always had really good shows in montreal Mm. um they've always been very good to us over there um for the states i mean we've we haven't doubled up on many cities in the states but Mm -hmm. Um, we've played New York City twice and it's it's been really good both times. Yeah. I've also really liked playing um Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. They have like a crazy scene out there, like really supportive. They were really cool over there. Nice. And yeah, other than playing live, you also have your YouTube channel which has a pretty huge following now. And, um, yeah, it's been insane. I don't, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> so yeah, do you have like a specific strategy when it comes to building your audience there? <sighs> I always ask myself that, but <laughs> like at the end of the day, I always just try to cover songs and do, do the things that I, I love first. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've never really gone with any fads or, or tried to hop on like a, like a bandwagon sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's been my strategy because I, I truly believe like if you're doing something that you are not really vibing with, it's going to show. Yeah. And I've always just wanted to do stuff that I truly loved for myself first and then everything else comes second. Yeah, that's an awesome philosophy to have. And... um. Yeah, when you're dealing with an audience that size, I know you're bound to run into a bunch of haters in the comment section too. 
Yeah. So how have you dealt with that? I think over the years, like it's become a little easier because you, you get used to it. Mm-hmm. But every so often, like, you know, we're still human. I still read comments where it's like, wow, damn, like that sucks, man. Like <laughs> shit. But, you know, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. And some negative comments are are truly constructive and you can take that and and grow from it or most of the other ones are usually just said to try and maliciously bring you down and mm-hmm. i think that's something you have to really like take with a grain of salt because yeah. if someone's just like your shit fuck you <laughs> like to me that's not really an argument or like a comment because there's no truth behind it mm-hmm. they're just being a dick so like i think that came with time yeah. Just kind of learning how to deal with people like that and just move on. Because dwelling on it doesn't do you any good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just had one more question. Um, do you have any advice for young singers starting out who maybe haven't done any singing before, but want to try it out, want to join a band someday? Um, what advice would you give to them? I would say just go for it. Because I think when you're starting out, it it seems like such a big task. It's like, wow, like, where do I start? What do I do? Like, I have to be super calculated and, and come up with a strategy and all that. But once you kind of get the ball rolling, you'll figure it out. But it's all about just starting mm-hmm. and and just like allowing yourself to just jump in. That's literally my best advice because no decision is the worst decision. Awesome. Thank you for this again. It's been awesome. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to see what you come up with next and just, yeah, watching your, your career take off even more. And um, yeah, it's been amazing so far. Yeah, honestly, this was super cool to like catch up with you and and chat like I'm super stoked with what you have going to like I'm I'm excited to see what you have going to do.